0: December 2015, Netflix came out with a documentary called "Making a Murderer." Raise your hand if you have seen it or know what it's about. Okay, <laughs> "Making a Murderer." Uh, "Making a Murderer" was a docu- is a documentary that follows a man named Stephen Avery, uh, who in 1985 was wrongfully convicted of sexual assault and attempted murder on a woman in, on the uh, beaches of Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Uh, in 2003, DNA testing had, had developed so far where uh, it showed that he was innocent. He actually wasn't even on the beach on that day in 1985. But for 18 years... He served a sentence for somebody else. He was in prison for 18 years when he didn't do it. Someone else was running free while he took their punishment. In 2003, when he got out of prison, he then sued the court. And two years later, he was arrested again. This time, he was on trial for the murder of a 25-year-old woman named Teresa Halbach uh, who was last seen on his salvage yard. So the documentary follows uh, the the arrest, the gathering of evidence, and then the court procedures and and the trial. It's 10 episodes long, an hour each episode. And why was this documentary uh, so popular? Well, because a seeming injustice took place, right? When it it first came out, everyone who saw it couldn't help but talk about it because the documentary made it seem like this man was innocent and he was set up. They made it seem like uh, Stephen Avery was their guy. He was going to suffer for it. He was going to pay the punishment. And all they had to do was find enough evidence to place against him. Everyone who saw it, could not help but talk about it. We even talked about it here at church. We just couldn't help it. Why was it so popular? Why did everyone talk about it? Well, because nobody likes injustice, right? Nobody likes it. And this documentary this documentary, made it seem... Like injustice had taken place. When we see injustice, when we see injustice, whether that be in the workplace, whether that be at school, whether that be on TV, uh, we don't like it. We don't like to see somebody suffer for something they didn't do. Nor do we like to see somebody get credit for something they didn't do. So, for instance, at work, you don't like to see Bill get in trouble with the boss when Tim really messed up. Nor do you like to see Tim get praised for something that Bill worked so hard to do. We don't like that. That's injustice. Parents, you don't like to see your kids suffer injustice at the hands of the school. They get blamed for something they didn't do or you feel they didn't do. We get angry at the, at the referees as we watch our favorite sports team because we think that they aren't calling a fair game. Injustice is being taken uh, against our team. Arguments happen in the household when siblings feel like there's injustice. They're being treated unfairly from other siblings. Take a look at the political world today. Take any issue that you want in government right now, and no matter what the issue is, you can find someone upset. Why? Because somebody feels that their family, their loved one, or themselves uh, aren't getting justice on this issue. Nobody likes injustice. Nobody does. And what feelings do we have when injustice takes place? Two of them. One, anger. We get angry when we see injustice. We want to go and and, uh, tell the people off who are carrying out the injustice. Uh, We want to go to court. We will do anything because we're angry. And the second feeling? is pity. You feel sorry for the person who is enduring injustice. These are the two feelings that uh, a lot of people had during making a murder. Again, did he do it? Or didn't he? I don't know. But the documentary made it seem like he was set up, and so these are the feelings that people had during the documentary. Today, you might feel those same feelings we are continuing our sermon series called The Ransom. And we are looking at what Jesus gave up to set us free. And what did He give up today? We see that He gave up justice. We continue in Mark chapter 14. Today we begin at verse 53. Jesus is on trial. If you remember from last week, uh, Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane around 11 11 p.m. to 12 a.m., and now he's taken to before the Jewish court. So this is the middle of the night, and here's what we're told. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. <clears throat> Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days we'll build another not made with hands. Yet even then, their testimony did not agree. We'll stop right here. There is more injustice taking place here than we first imagined. Uh, Jesus gets taken before the court, before the Jewish court. The high priest uh, in in the Old Testament was the judge. Uh, He was the one who judged whether or not skin diseases were uh, clean or unclean. He he was the judge. And so Jesus stands before him, the judge of the Jewish religion. And the first thing uh, that is unjust uh, is the fact that they're having court in the middle of the night. Jewish laws and Jewish uh, customs said that uh, a court could only be held during daylight hours. If it got to be dark or dusk and the court hadn't come to a decision, the court wasn't over, it had to be pushed to the next day. As soon as it was dark, it was over. And yet here they are in the middle of the night beginning court, beginning this trial. The second injustice taking place is that their laws were basically like ours in this sense. Uh, In order to arrest somebody, an accusation had to be made. Then, there needed to be evidence by two or more witnesses that the accusation might actually be true. Only then could they go and make the arrest. Here, they have arrested Jesus. They have their prisoner without an accusation and without evidence of doing anything wrong. And that's what they're doing here. This court has convened. They have started this trial not because there's an accusation against him. They are looking for an accusation. And they are looking for evidence of something that he did. This whole thing is just unjust and is full of injustice. In in preparation for today, I looked at some Bible commentaries, and one of them was a guy named uh, Richard Lenski. And to sum up the injustice taking place, uh, he says So, unindicted, illegally arrested, he stands at this illegal hour before this illegally convened court. So, unindicted, illegally arrested, he stands at this illegal hour before this illegally convened court. And on top of it all, on top of all of those injustices, his punishment has already been figured out without even a crime against him. They're going to put him to death. They just need to figure out how. But they can't find anything to accuse him of. There's no evidence even when two of them uh, come together and say, hey, here's our story, let's stand up and, and tell it, even their testimonies didn't agree. Isn't it incredible that no one could find anything wrong with Jesus? Think about it. Think of the thousands of people that Jesus taught in front of. Think of the thousands of people that He preached to, that He performed miracles in front of, and not one person could accuse Him of anything. What a comfort that is for you. What a comfort it is for me. That no one could find anything wrong with Jesus. You see, the Bible says that in order for us to get to heaven, we need to have a perfect record. We need to be perfect and holy. And yet, one look at our track record and what do we see? We see imperfections. We see sin. We see brokenness. Poor baby Hannah. (laughs) The Bible says that in order to get to heaven, we need to be perfect, right? We need to have a perfect track record. And yet we haven't been. One look at our our track record and we see nothing but brokenness, right? The Bible says that Jesus is that perfect substitute that we need. Not only was He our, our perfect substitute who went to the cross and took our punishment for us, and He was our substitute that way, He was our perfect substitute who lived holy. He lived perfect. And he says, my perfect life is yours. Not even the devil himself can accuse you of anything wrong, no sin, in God's sight. God has declared you innocent of all charges because of Jesus, because of His perfect record. And this just reassures us of that that no one could find anything wrong with him. And yet they try. But now, the high priest is getting a little antsy. He's getting a little concerned because pretty soon he's going to have to let Jesus go because there's no reason to have him arrested. And so he takes matters into his own hands. And here's what he says. And the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? The high priest tries to bait Jesus into uh, answering these false accusations against him. But Jesus remained silent. He wasn't going to waste his breath on false accusations. He wasn't going to fuel that fire. Instead, he remained silent. And so the the high priest finally gets to what's really at the heart of the issue. Jesus, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? This is why they didn't like Jesus. Because people claimed He was the Messiah, because He claimed to be the Messiah. They didn't like what God had to say, because He didn't fit the Messiah they wanted. And they were willing to kill God for what he said. And here's how Jesus answered. I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Not only does Jesus say, yes, I am, he says, I'm going to quote your scriptures, the Old Testament scripture, and show you that I'm the fulfillment of it. Uh, And you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the Mighty One and coming in the clouds of heaven. He just quoted and alluded to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7 was written around 560 BC, 560 years before Christ. And Jesus says, This is a scripture that is fulfilled in me. Daniel says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus says, yes, this is me. I am the Messiah, and this is what's going to happen. I'm going to come back on the clouds of heaven, and church leaders, I'm going to judge you. And I'm not going to judge you based on your feelings. I'm not going to judge you based on your system of beliefs or what you want to believe. I'm going to judge you based on what God's Word says. Do you believe I'm the Messiah or not? And here's how the high priest responded. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists and said, Prophesy! And the guards took him and beat him. Jesus is the judged judge. The high priest tears his clothes, which was an outward act of the inner anger that was inside of him. This is what they did a lot in the Old Testament uh, to show that they were angry inside. They would tear their clothes at such an outrageous claim. And he condemns Jesus to death. And even here, there's injustice going on. Because Jewish laws said that you couldn't condemn somebody on day one of the trial. You could present all the evidence But then you had to dismiss and come back the next day. And on day two, that's when you took the vote. And that's when you could uh, punish somebody and deal out their punishment. There's no day two here. Court one, And there wasn't even a vote. Notice the high priest tears his clothes and says, He's committed blasphemy. What do you think? He deserves death. And he works everybody up. And they condemn him to death. Injustice. And then, and then, they, the, the ones who are uh, supposed to be upholding justice in their country and in their nation, they take Jesus, they spit on his face, and have all kinds of satanic fun at God's expense. So, how do you feel? Do you feel angry? Do you pity Jesus? Do you feel sorry for him? Do you wish that those men were standing right here uh, so that you could give them a little piece of your mind? Is there a little bit of you that hopes that they are suffering in hell for doing this to your Jesus? Unfortunately, we have some things in common with these men and that is that sometimes we put ourselves in the judgment seat just like they did what was the pharisees problems what was the jewish church leaders problems their main problem was that they didn't like what god's word had to say right jesus said i am the messiah that's god's word and they said i don't like it i like some of the stuff that your word says for the Jewish church leaders, it was, we like to follow rules. We like the outward righteousness that everyone looks at us. So we'll, we'll follow your laws because we want everyone to praise us. But to claim you're the Messiah, we don't like that. And so we're not going to believe it. We're going to pick and choose what we believe. And what did they do? Because they pick and choose what they believe. They put Jesus to death. They put themselves on the judgment seat. And sometimes we do that too. We want to look at God's Word and we want to pick and choose what we're going to believe and what we're not based on our feelings, based on what we want to believe. For instance, we know that Jesus claimed that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. In other words, there's only one way to heaven and it's through Jesus. Every other way doesn't get you to heaven. But I don't like that. I don't like that, and so i rather not believe it. My God wouldn't condemn someone to hell just because they don't believe in Jesus. As long as they're faithful to their belief, they're good to go. Jesus tells us that it's from Him that we get all of our physical blessings. He blesses us with every physical gift and spiritual gift that we have. And He says... Thank me by giving an offering so that my church can carry out the gospel message. But I don't like that. My God wouldn't want me or demand me to give money to a church when I'm not even sure what they're going to use it for. My God tells me to love, or the Bible tells me to love my enemies and those who make life difficult for me. Love them. And not just with warm, fuzzy feelings, love them with action. But that's too, too hard for me to do. My God wouldn't ask me to do something so hard. So I'm not going to follow that one. Do you see what we've just done? We have made God who we want Him to be made into. We have switched the Messiah from being what God's Word says He is, to fitting our needs, our wants, our desires, just like the church leaders. So I guess the question is, what's the greater injustice, right? Is the greater injustice to willingly and openly admit that you're against Jesus and kill Him? Or is it a greater injustice to claim to be His disciples and yet completely change what He is all about? And Jesus says to us the same thing that He said to the church leaders. It doesn't matter what you do to me. It doesn't matter what you make me. Jesus says, I am going to come back. The Son of Man will come back on the clouds of heaven and I will judge you. And I'm not going to judge you based on your system of beliefs. I'm not going to judge you based on uh, what you think or what you feel. I'm going to judge you based on God's Word. Do you believe that I'm the Messiah or not? And that's what the Jewish church leaders didn't like. And so they put him to death. And he suffered the greatest injustice the world has ever seen. And yet, that greatest injustice justified us. The greatest injustice justified us. As that court happened, as that trial was going on, there was another trial going on. Another court. But this court wasn't in the physical realm like Jesus was standing in right there. This court was in the heavenly realm. Jesus stood before God. And He wasn't alone. You stood next to Him. The angels knew you were guilty. God knew you were guilty. Jesus Knew you were guilty. And everyone knew you deserved to be punished. And yet, that night, Jesus was condemned to death. And you were declared innocent of all charges. You see, that's what God has done for you. That's what God did for you. He condemned His Son, His innocent Son, that you might go free. And that's what Peter talked about, right? Peter in our reading earlier talked about that it's by Jesus' wounds that you have been healed. You see, Jesus suffered the greatest injustice and He was condemned to death. He went to the cross. He died and He rose again. And when He did, all of your sins have been healed. You are now perfect before God. He was condemned... You were set free. Nobody likes injustice. Nobody does. When we see injustice, we feel uh, anger and pity. And in this case, we may even feel guilty. Because it was our sins that put Jesus on the cross. It was our sins that made Jesus stand where He was. And yet, Jesus doesn't want you to feel any of that. He doesn't want you to be angry. He doesn't want you to feel pity. And he doesn't want you to feel guilty. For 18 years, Stephen Avery was in prison for something he didn't do. He didn't want to be there. He wanted to be out. He didn't want to be serving a sentence that he didn't deserve. Now, the difference between that and what Jesus went through is Jesus willingly took on your sentence. He wanted to do it because He wanted you to go free. And so He says, don't feel guilty, don't be angry, don't feel pity. Be thankful. Be thankful. Live your lives out of thanks for what He's done for you. Let Him rule in your hearts and live your lives to glorify Him the one who suffered the greatest injustice, that you might go free. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, your love for us blows us away once again. Uh, We cannot be more grateful for you suffering injustice that we might go free. Help us to always treasure that. Help us to let you rule in our hearts and in our lives. Amen.